So again, we're in Luke chapter 6, verse, verse 20. And how fitting that, that hymn that we, we sang. It was got, I was looking through the bulletin this morning, and there was a wonderful whole page about uh, from an excerpt from a sermon by Spurgeon on debtors we are. And, and this, this song here, the, the vinyl sentence in that, that hymn was, Destroy our enmity and pride, and, and we'll crown you king. That's what has to happen before, uh, and and that's in a sense, in her essence, rather the, the what we're talking about today, <clears throat> in in uh, Luke chapter six. We're beginning this, the words of the Savior on this uh, sermon on the plain, this level place of the gospel, and <clears throat> in verse twenty says he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said. Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. But but woe unto you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for you shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. And uh, we're, we're not going to cover all of that today, but uh, uh, he gives us the things that are... Uh, what we would say were fruits of the spirit, and then he gives us the things that are contrast to that that are fruits of the flesh and uh, so as we look at these that 's important to keep that perspective in mind as we look at this and and as last week as kind of a we kind of took this verse in reverse order and we we spent some time uh, discussing the kingdom of God, what that is and what it is not, and the scripture just lays it out fairly clearly. The kingdom of God is not this, and the kingdom of God is not that, but it is uh, these things. And it, and it turns out that uh, the kingdom of God comes to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ himself in his substitutionary uh, death on the cross and his triumph for death and sin, that quote from uh, Martin Lloyd, Lloyd, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And, <clears throat> and we learned last week some important things that, relate to us about this this poor that's expressed here in <clears throat> that that is a prerequisite uh, be, he says blessed are the poor that because the kingdom of god is, is yours and 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 we learn from john 3 that you must be born again to even see the kingdom of god you must be born of the spirit to to enter the kingdom of god uh, and the kingdom of god is righteousness joy and peace all those things that we find in Christ, the the kingdom of God is not in word but in power, and uh, we learn that we we believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. From First Corinthians fifteen, the kingdom of God is not in this world; is not of this world. Uh, John chapter eighteen and John chapter seventeen, uh, <clears throat> the the kingdom of God is a mystery. 
the mystery of free grace from uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 10. And, and we learned that this blessedness is something that we receive in Christ. Blessed uh, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ, in heavenly places in Christ. So all these blessings that, that we look at here in, in Luke are, are blessings in Christ. And since he, uh, <clears throat> he is the very essence, the very person of the kingdom of God, and our blessings are in him, then that's important for our understanding. It is blessed be you poor. Uh, <clears throat> and we understand this the, from the lessons on the true Sabbath, that Christ is our, our, our rest. And when we enter into that rest, we, we cease from our own works. And, <clears throat> and so with our understanding of the kingdom of God and the other things that we've learned, we, we can only conclude that the poor here reference can be none other than those to whom the Spirit of God has born from above, born again, who recognize themselves as entirely destitute, because that's what that word poor means. It means the worst, lowest form of beggar. Uh, <clears throat> they're entirely destitute of any merit or self-righteousness, and in it... Uh, comes to us as and we recognize that we're in, like in <clears throat> I was I really appreciate those hymns that the, the hymn that we sang this morning and other hymns I was thinking this morning that <clears throat> people that have truly been found themselves in this condition of poor and the, and they try to express that to others in the form of a poetry or a hymn others try to express things that they they more rules and stuff for you to do and here's conditions that you uh, uh, all that religious stuff but uh, uh, all these hymns that we love and cherish written by people that that try to express their understanding of what's happened to them and top top lady said in my hand no no price i bring uh he had he had nothing with which to pay, totally relying on Christ for for all our salvation. Nothing of <clears throat> self merit. They are blessed. They're supremely blessed. It tells us, and it <clears throat> gives us the idea in the context of it that they're happy beyond reason, happy beyond measure, uh, no matter what their circumstances are in this life. Paul said, "Well, I've learned." He, he, in my previous religious life, man, he says, I profited much above all my brothers in the Jewish religion. And <clears throat> he had all these religious merits that he counted on. <clears throat> and he says, well, that was all done. <laughs> but he says, I have learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. Because uh, he knew the <clears throat> the eternal circumstances of it. Knowing that we're <clears throat> we're strangers and pilgrims in this world, and one with, and in Christ, and and thus, in His kingdom, He He is ours, and we are His. <clears throat> As that another hymn that I like, uh, I found a friend for, for I am His and He is mine forever and and forever. <clears throat> in 
In Hebrews chapter 12, we closed with that scripture last week, Hebrews 12.28, whereby we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. What a what a concept, what an idea. And it can only be understood and expressed by a person that's been made poor in the spirit here and recognizes the fullness of grace. <clears throat> uh, if you get a chance to read that uh, excerpt from that Spurgeon sermon there on we are debtors. We're debtors to sovereignty. We're debtors to grace. We're, uh, we owe everything. <clears throat> and so in this lesson... We're we're kind of looking at this. It says, "Blessed are you poor." Well, that kind of goes against our our nature. We're we're kind of brought up with the idea of uh, work hard, be successful, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> and we measure things by that. We you know, and and pride comes into it. Even though the lowest sort of beggar has his a, a essence of pride about them. That, they might not come to Christ just because I'm not doing well here, obviously, but I'm I'm not that bad. <laughs> I'm not that low. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so we want to look at that. And uh, <clears throat> so indeed the, the thing that we want to keep our eye on is that the, the kingdom of God comes to us in this person and work of Christ and, and his finished work on the cross and and that the kingdom of God is not really so much of a where, but a who, and uh, we are his people, and where he is, there, there is his, wherever he is, is, is his kingdom. <clears throat> and uh, in Acts 17.27, it says, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him, and find, the, find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Well, if we if we think about what that really means, uh, it means he's not far <laughs> into one of his people. He's with them, and so as this first part of this verse describes those who are the possessors of this kingdom of Christ Himself, blessed are be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. The the poor, they are blessed because the kingdom of God is, is theirs and they recognize that. And as Ephesians said, <clears throat> that all blessings are in Christ. And there's no exception to that, that all blessings are in Christ. <clears throat> and so how is this linked to being poor? It seems kind of like an oxymoron kind of a thing. Well, if you're blessed in Christ, you should be really wealthy. And that's what millions of TV evangelists tell you today. Oh yeah, God wants you to be wealthy and well off, and all these things that are just fleshly items. <clears throat> so, what exactly does this mean? Who, who are they? Who are this poor? How, how is this achieved? Uh, and as it's normal, it's pretty clear that this scripture, like many others, is viewed in two usual ways: physically and spiritually. We always come to that basic dividing line, and 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 we apply that here. The <clears throat> the physical comes only 
from man and is from his perspective as he views things from an unregenerate state, which is dead and trespasses and sins, uh, an element of pride, an element of trusting to one's own resources, no matter how meager they might be. <clears throat> and uh, now that uh, there's just so many scriptures that deal with this subject throughout the Bible. Remember the <clears throat> the Lord was saying, he was at the temple and this publican guy, this rich guy comes in and he, and remember in our study of the the temple, they had all these, they had 12 bins for people to put money in. Whatever tribe you were in, you came in and you threw your money in the, in that box. And <clears throat> so it was kind of a contest between the tribes to see who box was always charged up. And, and they put these big brass funnel things on him so it would make a lot of noise when you threw in your money and this rich guy goes in there and throws in all this shekels and <clears throat> this poor widow woman comes in and throws in the two mites and he, and he says she 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 gave everything she 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 cast in her entire livelihood and this guy just made a big show of it and and so there's always that contrast there between the fleshly and the spiritual. She says she was totally relying on Christ for everything. <clears throat> and so we have that contrasting view <clears throat> that all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's, it's not of the Father, but is of the world from John, 1 John 2.16. The spiritual view comes only, as the word implies, from the Spirit of God. That's where that comes from. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And many in the religious world, they are led to take a vow of poverty. Isn't that silly? I vow to take a vow of poverty, and and it just becomes another work when they do that. And it, and with their idea is that it makes them more spiritual, and it actually puts God under an obligation because they have done this, then He is obligated to do that, and it just becomes another form of works rather than acknowledging their spiritual inability to pay. For their sin. It's just another man scheme. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> really, they're substituting a work in the place of Christ's finished work. And in essence, they're saying, Well, I know he did this, but I need to do a little bit more to add to that. Because I don't think it was enough. Or, or the pride says, <clears throat> I have to contribute something or I just don't feel right about myself. <clears throat> so <clears throat> you can't place those kind of things and sacrifice goods or wealth in the place of or in addition to Christ's substitutionary death on the cross and his triumph over death and sin. Just it can't won't work. It's not satisfactory. Many equate wealth and physical prosperity with spiritual success. 
And thus, it's an indicator of being in the kingdom. Well, I look at all the wealth I have. I must be in good with God. I must be in the kingdom. And, you know, we're not the judge of that, but it's usually not an indicator of that, as we find in Scripture. So we, <clears throat> as we look to the Scripture to teach us what the truth is here, the, the very ter- term poor, again, is translated from a Greek word which means the very poorest sort of poverty. Abject poverty. Poverty which results in the necessity of begging for your very existence. You just, you don't have anything to have anything with. You're just that poor. <clears throat> and when we, and that's the way that a person must come to the to the Lord in salvation. In my hand, no price I bring. I have nothing. It's just a metaphor. It's just a symbolical, symbolical picture of the way that we are made to come to Christ. As that hymn said, that he has to tear that down. He has to tear down that pride. He has to tear down that reliance, that self-reliance on our, our own merit or whatever whatever we're substituting in the place of Christ and and this word means a a beggar is cringing is stooped down and uh, <clears throat> absolute or uh, public uh, mendicence the uh, poorness uh, distressed It's kind of like the religious concept of dead not being dead, just mostly dead. <laughs> you're, you're, and I'm not most. I'm not mostly poor. I'm still a little, little not poor. <clears throat> so if we apply the physical understanding here, the the formula would be simple: <clears throat> become poor, and automatically you qualify to be in the kingdom and be the possessor of it. Give away all your stuff and. And the the Lord applied that to a guy because he knew he wouldn't do it. He, it was it wasn't really a, a a quid pro quo kind of a thing where he says, "Well, I've done all these works," and he says, "Well, you've got one thing left that you haven't done." <clears throat> he says, "Get rid of all your stuff, sell all your stuff, and give to the poor, and be be rid of your reliance on yourself." metaphorically speaking, and the guy said, well, I can't, I got a lot of stuff. I can't do that. He goes, well, there you go. Uh, you're you're going to go to eternity trusting in your own merits and your own resources and your own self. <clears throat> and uh, so we find that kind of thing doesn't really stand up to the scrutiny of Scripture. And <clears throat> the scriptural understanding is here presented by Christ is, is rooted in eternal Love and presented to us clearly in the Old Testament as well as in the New. And a couple of scriptures that we'll look at real quickly to give us some kind of understanding about what is here meant. We'll turn to Isaiah chapter 55, uh, verse 1. And uh, Isaiah, he's always writing, as Norm pointed out the other night, who hath believed our report? Who has believed the good news? Who's believed the the gospel? And <clears throat> from a physical standpoint, it didn't seem to be many, but 
still he presents the gospel out and leaves it to the Lord. <clears throat> he says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye and buy and eat. Come ye and buy wine and milk without money and without price. <clears throat> what kind of far-fetched idea is that? Uh, you know this uh, this word buy here is a is a Hebrew word that that uh, gives us the it's connected to the grain trade, trading, buying, and selling grain. And when you think of the Lord as the the bread of life and and uh, and all the metaphors that he uses about the wheat and the tares and the, all those things that are spiritually uh, uh, speak about him, <clears throat> uh, the manna from heaven, the bread of life, come, he, he that eateth of this bread shall never hunger, and those kind of things, it gives it a little bit more of a spiritual context than just the monetary buying and selling of something. It's It's much... That that pool is deeper than that, and <clears throat> so he says, "Come and buy without money, because you have no money. You have no currency that is that is valid in this spiritual kingdom that we're talking about." In <clears throat> and and we'll go to the New Testament here and look at a scripture there. In First Peter chapter one verse eighteen, and again we have a hymn that's based on this block of scripture here that a person has said, "I know this to be true," and I'm writing a hymn about it to express my understanding of it. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversation or useless manner of life that was received by tradition from your fathers <clears throat> but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot that's the only currency that's satisfactory that that in this uh, transaction that we're talking about blessed be the poor for yours is the kingdom of God. From these two scriptures we know that redemption is not, nor can it be linked to or with physical, the physical nature of monetary concerns. It just has, it just hasn't have anything to do with that. Uh, The blood of Christ in the substitutionary sacrifice of giving his life a ransom for many is the only thing that satisfies God the Father for sin. Isaiah 53.11 he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. That's what satisfies God. That's why, why he can be the just and the justifier. Uh, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Uh, and there's just so many scriptures that fall into that line that that. Uh, he saved us, and not we ourselves, and uh, so forth. And uh, so, one's physical status as poor or wealthy really has no bearing on their ultimate salvation. <clears throat> Solomon, 
richest guy on the planet, wisest guy on the planet. And, you know, it didn't really have any bearing. Uh, he abused everything <laughs> he had. Like David, like everyone, you know, they're, they're redeemed, but they're still uh, in, in this body of sin. <clears throat> so, the physical poverty then cannot be what is here meant as a prerequisite or condition for inheriting the kingdom of God. And and as well, we note that in Matthew's, the, the sermon that Matthew records on the mount in chapter 5, 6, and 7, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And he clearly identifies it as a spiritual thing. And then that's clearly the what's meant here in, in Luke chapter 6 too. <clears throat> and so it's if it's not physical, then it can only be a spiritual condition which by definition can only be brought about by the Spirit of God. It's, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that He has uh, divinely uh, act, acted on. And so the only reasonable application here is that somehow a believer, the sheep, the elect, the church, whatever term we want to call them, those that God loved from before the foundation of the world and wrote their names in the Lamb's Book of Life, that in time he connected them with the gospel and caused them to know that they they were poor in spirit, that they were guilty and had nothing to pay. They are sinners both by the fall in Adam, by their own nature, and convinced as it is, I, I can't remember who wrote that, I think it might have been Hawker, where he says, they're convinced of the plague of their own heart. They've been convinced of that by, uh, by the Spirit. <clears throat> Another hymn that we like to sing, written by a, a Civil War veteran, I, I know whom I have believed. He says, I don't know how the Spirit moves convincing men of sin or how He did all the things that He did. <laughs> but I know whom I have been, I know whom I have believed. <clears throat> they're, they're brought to a knowledge that they cannot by any of their own means satisfy the penalty that, that this fall in their own nature, sin nature has racked up no another hymn no works of mine can take the place dear lord of thine uh, thy blood hath pardoned bought for me ben ben everson wrote that hymn that we like to mike brings up all the time for us to sing that we love complete in thee <clears throat> poorness then becomes uh, to them, a spiritual understanding of their own inability to pay, <clears throat> to supply any of their own righteousness, and thus the total necessity for their reliance on Christ for all their salvation. He's paid it all. In my hand, no price I bring. I can't bring any price. And if I could bring a price, it wouldn't be satisfied. It wouldn't satisfy God. <clears throat> We and and we can't ever get to the point where we can't ever even get to the break even point. <laughs> we can't say, "Well, <clears throat> I'm not going to sin from this day forward, and 
So I only need to come up with enough good stuff to I'll let Christ take care of all that old stuff, and then I'll just do the rest. Well, we just go further in the tank every <laughs> every moment we're alive. And, and <clears throat> when we're poor in spirit, we just come to know that 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 He's taken care of all that. He's paid double for all that. He's He's removed all that from us. <clears throat> he's paid it all. So then, how does one transition from this natural state in which works or physical status are viewed as keys to the kingdom to the spiritual understanding of being brought to a knowledge of the truth of spiritual poverty and spiritual inability dead in trespasses and sins. What what has to happen? The, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned so it's not something that can be learned earned or otherwise obtained <clears throat> he he just can't receive them and from this we learn that something divine must occur before this transition can be realized and and thus it's necessarily a fruit of the spirit i, I probably one of my favorite blocks of scripture in the whole Bible is from Ezekiel. He says, first thing, I got to tear out your old stony heart because it's dead. It's no good. That's the first thing that has to happen. Just like that hymn says, destroy our enmity and our pride. Tears out the old heart and then I'll give you a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that to know me. And he says, then I'll cleanse you from all your sins. All those I wills, I will, I will, I will. All those things that God does for us. And then he says, when, when after that has occurred, then you're going to look back on your life. And, and he says, he uses the term, then you'll loathe yourself for your ways which were not good. <clears throat> but at the same time, that's coupled with the, I've taken care of that. I've cleansed you from all that. I've given you a new heart. And uh, physically, we can't go back and undo all those things that we've been a part of. But we, <clears throat> we can say, Christ has taken, Christ has paid it all. <clears throat> so I love that block of scripture because it kind of puts things in order. The dead, the, the, Natural man can't receive any of that because he's dead. He's like Lazarus. <clears throat> Anybody could have come in there and told him to repent. <laughs> but nothing happened until Christ walked in there and says, Lazarus, come come forth. <clears throat> and <clears throat> so there must be some divine occurrence before this transition can be realized. And that's necessarily a fruit of the Spirit. And as we notice from John chapter 3 last week, except a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Can't. There's no visual uh, thing that can happen that can cause him to believe that. No physical ocular evidence. I think we used the term last week in our lesson. There's no ocular evidence of, of this that will convince you. Uh, <clears throat> and except a man be born 
of water and the Spirit cannot enter <clears throat> into the kingdom of God. So the transition from the physical understanding of poor or poor in spirit as recorded in Matthew 5 requires a, what the Bible definitions of these terms calls a superimposition upon the person which changes them irrevocably. And they have nothing, they don't say, well, I need to give myself a heart transplant. He says, I will take the heart of stone out of you and give you and replace it metaphorically with a spirit, a spiritual heart. He does that. We're on the table in an unconscious state when that happens. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you hath he quickened who were dead in sins and trespasses. It takes the power of God to effect this change in a person to cause them to go from perceiving themselves as meritorious and rich and in the flesh to poor in the spirit. <clears throat> in First Samuel chapter 2 verse 7, <clears throat> the Lord maketh poor. Not just physically. And he, although he may do that. And has done that. Uh, Job, he was well off and then made poor. <laughs> then when the Lord's purpose in him was complete, he was, he was rich in Christ again at the end. And he had more than he had before. And that's just a metaphor again for spiritual things, not necessarily just physical, not just he, well, I got more kids and camels than I used to have because... I've been real lucky, <laughs> or I've been blessed. Uh, it was a spiritual picture for the church there, <clears throat> and uh, should be considered that way. Uh, the Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and then lifteth up. That's just a, isn't that a wonderful picture what he does? He, he rips out that stony heart and gives us a heart of flesh, and then that causes us to know the pit from which we've been digged. Oh, all those things that I thought were okay before now are not, as we we would say. <clears throat> it's the Spirit of God that makes us to know our spiritual poverty and at the same time makes us to know that through the riches of grace in Christ, the debt has been paid in full. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. And so once again, as we stated in our kind of our preamble to this block of Scripture and other things that in this chapter, what Christ demands, he supplies. And we find that over and over and over again as we go through here. That, that things that we, even with the best intentions, we can't do. And if we do do them, maybe we're only accomplishing them in a physical way and, and not uh, spiritually. <clears throat> uh, James chapter 2 verse 5 says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God... 
chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith and, and heirs of the kingdom. Again, this, this linkage between the, and not just physically poor, the ones that have been made poor in spirit. <clears throat> heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him. And so we find this, this eternal love link in there that has to do with this creation of a sense of poorness in his sheep that causes them to look to him for all their salvation. <clears throat> and so the the contrasting verse, of course, we find down in verse 24 to this because he, he gives us the, the spiritual sentence here in chapter 6, verse 20. And then verse 24, he gives us kind of the counter of that. And he does the same thing in verse 21 and and so forth. He gives us the both sides of it. <clears throat> in verse 24, it says, But woe unto you that are rich, for you've received your your consolation. Isn't that an interesting word that he uses there? You've received your consolation. And that word really means comfort. That's the basic gist of that that Greek word there. It means comfort. And you might remember from early on in our study of Luke, where a certain man was daily in the temple waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the comfort of Israel. And this word woe means grief, misery. Uh, You've received your comfort. And this word also has to do with kind of a calling uh, effect here. You've received your comfort, your calling. And you better be happy in it now because that's all you got. (laughs) When that's over, you have nothing else. Blessed be the... God of, uh, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the the Father of mercies and and the God of all comfort. It's the same word as this consolation here that we find in Luke uh, six twenty four, and the and so the contrast is clear. And uh, we're about out of time, but you can go through your New Testament, and there's many many verses that uh, how hardly shall the rich enter into heaven or they that have riches enter into heaven Luke 18 uh, the rich man and Lazarus the rich young ruler self-sufficiency and pride is the enemy and that cannot be overcome by uh, human means that can only be overcome by the work of the spirit and the application of the gospel so uh, Blessed be you poor, for yours is the the kingdom of God, and that is in the person work of the Lord Christ Jesus. So we'll stop there, and until next time, probably be a couple of weeks. Uh, man, I can hardly wait to see Lance and Corinne Robin, or if she comes. I don't know if they'll both be able to come, because probably one of them is engaged in taking care of Claire, but it'd be so good to see his face. Give him a virtual hug or whatever we can get away with. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for your attention and be free.